Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good morning, 24 Karat Tribe. I am so excited today to be interviewing my friend and wonderful (laughs) co-host of this podcast, (laughs) Phyllis. She just had a book called Unmothered, A Life with a Mom Who Couldn't Love Me. It just released a few weeks ago. And so I wanted her to share a little bit about her book. And I'm just so excited. I mean, I, I'm i your friend, so I'm like I know. ultra excited. But <laughs> She's you know, super excited. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was able to read it um, before it was in print. I was just telling Phyllis before the podcast that it's so different on digital than it is in book. Like, I was literally mm. with my highlighter highlighting stuff. So That's the best part about books. I know. I know. I just can't. Yeah. I can't I get like, away from real books. I know. I like the electronic book, but there's something yeah. about the real book. So um, I want to ask you a couple of questions. The mm-hmm. first one being, um, I guess this jumped out to, to me. At the beginning of your book, you say, your mother never saw you as an indiv- individual with your own passions and goals and that you had to agree with her on everything or you were against her. Mm-hmm. So tell me how someone who's dealing with that right now um can set healthy boundaries? Whew, that's a loaded question. Um, so, yeah, so my mom, um, because of her, I think, mental illness, is you just had to agree with, even if it was insane, right. <laughs> you had to agree with her opinion alone. So that does pose problems as you get older and you do become your own person, hopefully mm-hmm. become your own person and, and not just become a puppet of where you've been raised from. Um, you do have to set healthy boundaries if you're still dealing with that parent. Mm -hmm. And that just really comes from, um, who you decide you want to be. So you have to find your normal. Yeah. Which is hard. It's very hard, hard, which means relearning some of the things that you've learned as a child that fundamentally are wrong. And can feel uncomfortable. And it's your parent. Yeah. So then you feel like you're going against what you've been raised. But when you look at if you... So here's what I I talked to a lot of people this last week um, at a convention I was at. And, um, you know, it's relearning what you've been raised in and knowing that is your normal of where you've come from. But you have to now find your new normal. Yeah. And so setting healthy boundaries, what it looked like with my mom was I didn't want to disrespect who she was and just be arguing with her. Mm -hmm. Um, My siblings did that a lot, and it just ended badly every time. And so I didn't want it to be a screaming match of who's right every Mm -hmm. time. So healthy boundaries is knowing you're walking into this place where they have to be right on every level you have to kind of gird yourself up right. and say, okay, so we're going to walk into this lion's den. Um, she's not going to, she's going to pick a fight because that's what she likes to do. She's going to challenge what I have to say mm-hmm. in any normal conversation. And so you set a boundary of knowing um, 
if you know who you are and you know where your life is going, then you just have to um, settle into that in just a calm way and, right. and be able to listen to their side of it, maybe try to challenge a little bit and then let the rest go. Yeah, and maybe sometimes walk away for a little bit. And walk too. away. Yeah. And and also don't bring your family members into it to, to make it a bigger deal than it is. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of things that I did with my mom separately so that she couldn't draw, she couldn't be toxic around the whole family. Yeah, so she couldn't start start drama with because she would yeah (laughs) yeah every single time she would so I learned that really um early on is that if I wanted to change the family dynamic I had to keep her out of it okay yeah well um in another part of your book you talk about being in a dangerous situation with a boyfriend (laughs) which one well there were lots (laughs) but this one in particular um popped out to me because uh in the book you're talking about being in this drug house Mm. and they were trying to get to you to shoot up. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if that was cocaine or heroin. It was cocaine. Cocaine. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but you said something that just kind of struck me and you said, my mom always taught me to not back down, not to let anybody push you around, Mm -hmm. even though she was dysfunctional. I feel like in that, with that one thing that you said, that she did instill some, some stuff in you. Like, you know, you can have a bad mom and she could still I love you that you stuff. caught that because that's what I want people. I don't want people to read this story and be like, oh, that's such a sad story. I want people to realize throughout the book, I was trying to teach lessons, which I will be doing a companion book, but mm-hmm. I wanted people to see um, you can still pull really good things yeah. from your, try to find really right. good things that your parents have taught you, even if they've um, been dysfunctional themselves. The one thing I saw, my mother had a strength like no other. Um, the fact that she was a single mom and she had to just get up every day and do life like that's tough. So, so bravo to all the single moms out there because I, I saw what that was like and Mm -hmm. it is depressing and it is scary. And I saw my mom against all odds, just be a fighter. And I feel like she put that fighting spirit in me. And so even though it may not have been placed in the right place Mm -hmm. all the time, that intention was there. And so I grew up not backing down on anything. Which probably saved you from a a lot lot. of really scary things. Oh my gosh. I think it, it probably, there was this inner strength and then pushing out the outer strength where men saw like, ooh, this girl's not, she looks like a pushover, but she really isn't. Yeah. Well, and I think even in healthy mother relationships, I mean, I will say like, you know, I had, again, great Growing Mm -hmm. up, I feel like I've been a really good mom. Are there things I could definitely change? Are there things that I've said that I hope my children never do? Yeah. No no one is a perfect mother. No one is perfect. (laughs) Yeah. No one is perfect. Ask our kids. Yeah. Right. (laughs) They'll tell you. They'll tell (laughs) you. So I want to talk a little bit about um, when you felt God birthed this book in your heart. Now, I've known you a really long time. Yeah. And so uh, the Phyllis that sits across from me today is not the woman I met 10 years ago. Like, I just, like, my heart is, like, bursting because I'm just so incredibly proud of this strong, like, not that you weren't strong before, but I mean, strong and in just in the Lord. I mean, you just have gotten to be such a woman of faith. And I'm a brave warrior. You are now. a brave warrior. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about when God birthed this book in your heart and, and, well, and how you felt like I need to write this. Yeah. Well, I think um, one of the things that hopefully comes with age is, is um, kind of a wisdom of who you really are 
And I started sharing my story in small groups at church. Um, I'm a co-leader of different Bible studies and things over the years. And every time I would share my story, some girl would follow me to the coffee line after, you know, we're all like having coffee afterwards. And I turn around and there's some little young 20 something saying, Phyllis, can we meet for dinner or coffee or something? Because I'm having that struggle with my mom. Mm -hmm. And so doing that over the years, it started growing more and more. Well, I can't spend every moment right. <laughs> having Can't coffee co- or dinner with people. Be but, overly caffeinated and really fat. <laughs> right, yeah. Even though it's real good, no. So I that started growing where people were, were recommending me, and then I would get these phone calls from different girls in town and things like that, which I love to do and still do on occasion. But, uh, yeah, it was becoming um, very time-consuming and exhausting because I'm a empathetic person. So I was taking on Mm -hmm. their pain. And um, my husband's like, man, (laughs) who did you meet with today? Because I was just exhausted by the end of the day. It drained you. And so um, I really felt this prompting like, hmm, I have a lot of stories. And honestly, there's so much more even than I wrote (laughs) that I could tell. But it's it it, I wanted to pull the things that were the most pertinent things. And so I um, just really organically, it would just started happening. Like, you know, I think since I was younger, I've always journaled and stuff. I always in the back of my mind would hear my thoughts saying like, man, that would be a good book someday. Like, I can't believe this happened. That would make such a good story. So I have to stop you there because I remember a couple weeks ago, we were out by your car and you said you had found a note that your mother had written about wanting to, to write, write a, book. a book. And I just thought about that right now. So can you share that? Because I think that it's is crazy, so right? crazy. So when I was going through my mom's stuff after uh, we had put her in the nursing home before she passed and we had to clean out her uh, studio apartment, which my mom was a hoarder. So that took like a month just to go in oh, this one room. And I had to go through every magazine that she saved because, you know, back in the depression, like they saved yeah. things. And so they then they stuffed things in magazines. So I couldn't just throw stacks of magazines and things away. And somewhere in these boxes or whatever, I found, um, and I remember my mom kind of mentioning like, oh, I wanted to write a book. My life has been so crazy. I would love to write a book, but never really took it to heart. And then I found these pieces of paper, which I still have, of the makings of a book that she wanted to write. And I just thought, oh, mom, like what in the world like this? So I'm fulfilling her dream, which is kind of cool. And I I think she's smiling down at me saying like, you did it for us, you know, so um yeah, I keep those pieces of paper. Uh, it's very telling about some of the trauma that she went through in her life. I wish that she would have written volumes. Yeah. Um, I mean, and don't you wish, I think we talked about this on the mother-daughter episode about sharing our stories with yeah. our children and, you know, again, yeah. age-appropriate stories. Right. Um, but I do feel like, you know, when you can learn from your mom's trauma. Yeah. And it can also make you better understand it who they are. It gave me a better understanding yeah. when I read. So I, I read this one section that um, something happened to her as a child and it broke my heart because yeah. I thought, well, this explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think if we can, the one thing you can take away even from a dysfunctional parent 
what I always tell people is if you can take them off the pedestal of the parent role and look at them as a human being and go back through the history and see my mom was unmothered at nine. She was taken away from her mom by her father and and her siblings at nine years old. So if you could imagine that and, and being thrown into a mother role to take care of her brothers and her dad and was beaten and was just not treated well of course she's not going to grow up to be know how to take care of yeah. children. And so when I could look back and see my poor mom, like she was suffering too as a child. Now, yeah. it doesn't excuse the fact that she then went on to do that to us, but it made me understand she a little bit She just didn't know more. better. She and did I mean, she know. wasn't a Christian either, so I feel like, you know, she, she didn't have that. She had a belief that. in yeah. God, but it was very skewed. And yeah. again, I am completely grateful for my mom for raising me in some kind of a faith rather than not knowing God at all because I did hear him my whole life. Well, that's amazing. So was the book healing for you? Oh, boy. That's a loaded (laughs) question. Yes and no. I will say um, it was probably, not even probably, it definitely was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life. Um, The rewrites, when you go back... (laughs) It's kind of funny. It's my story, but when I was reading the the final proof of it, I was still crying through it. And I thought, <laughs> wow. girl, you lived through this. Why are yeah. you crying? But it brought me right back to those yeah. really sad or dangerous places, and it broke my heart all over again. So it is very cathartic, but there is a, a danger zone to that. I would say surround yourself with other people. Um, my managing editor, shout out to Dory, um, she really, I could call her and we could talk about things that I would say, Dory, I don't know if I want to write this. It's so hard. And yeah. we would talk about it. And I would recommend that if you're writing a hard story, you have to surround yourself. You, Rhonda, praying for me and talking about things where I'm like, I can't, it's making me very upset. It brings back trauma and right. a little bit of PTSD of just like going to those raw places and right. then knowing you know thousands of people can be reading yeah. this and taking it the wrong way and it just sort of brought me to a place of shame which is exactly mm. what the enemy yeah, would love absolutely. to not have me do this and thinking like well, what are they going to think of me they're going to You're know. vulnerable you're completely yeah. putting your stuff out there I'm and- putting some hard things in yeah. there and um you know it's it's not an easy task to um, let people see you raw, yeah. but it's something that has been very driven in my heart of um, getting to the core of helping other women mm-hmm. to realize, like, I see you, I get what you've gone through, and I don't want you to use that as an excuse to not then go out and create the family that you deserve and desire right. that God wants for you. Yeah. People are missing the boat on that. They're thinking, well, that's the way I grew up. That's how I'm always, that's how we did it. That's yep. how it's always going to be. Mm-hmm. So this is my life. So that's you're just going to live that way forever. Yeah, it's a lie. You don't you have don't, to live that you way You don't forever. have to live that way. And also you can bless that parent that is mm-hmm. difficult. If they see you getting healthy, there's a part of, like, I know my mom had a softness to her that was just like, whoa, no matter what, like she has this joy. Where's that coming from? Right. It's coming from the Lord. Like yeah. it's coming from this place of peace that I have in my life that I don't want to continue that generational dysfunction. And I think with anything, you know, I mean, we've talked about generational curses and generational dysfunction. And, you know, if we don't choose to break that, 
and that can be small things or mm-hmm. really big things like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you, then you just continue it and mm-hmm. it never stops. And so you have to be the one to draw the line in that sand and say, no more, this is not happening anymore. And I know that my husband did that with divorce. You know, he comes yeah. from a divorced family and I'll never forget when we first got married and we had this big blowout fight. He was like, we are not getting divorced. Like we are drawing a line in the sand. Right. And we are not getting divorced. Like with that, that's never going to happen. You have to make because, that conscious effort. Yeah, because yeah. it can just keep, and it kind of sometimes subconsciously can mm-hmm. happen that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you step well, into your life and go, I'm going to do this. When you see parents giving up, mm-hmm. it's way more easier for you to say, right. let me give up. Right. And, you know, and I, and my first marriage, I didn't really fight for because I knew in my heart that wasn't my that wasn't my guy. Yeah. Like I loved my first husband, but not. I don't think I loved loved him. Right. If that makes sense. And I just knew I I didn't want to fight for something that I knew wasn't right. Now thirty years later, just you know, mm-hmm. being able to celebrate my thirty year anniversary with my now husband, he was my guy. Right. So. Um, you know, you you have to be able to fight for that relationship if it's mm-hmm. worth it. You have to. Um, you can't just say, well, my parents got divorced. They're fine. Look at them. Like, yeah. they're living their life. Well, are they happy? Like, I don't right. know. You know, you have to weigh all these different things out, but you can't give up because that's what you've seen. Right, because, you know, nothing's just easy. I mean, when you're trying to break generational curses, it's tough. I mean, it's not like it's you're going, that's it. It's I'm not doing it. Like, you know. No, it's there, changes it's, hard and like I said before, your normal mm-hmm. may be different than your spouse's normal or right. your boyfriend or girlfriend's normal um, because of how you've been raised. Right. So you have to figure out what's the healthy normal. Right. Because we we weren't raised in healthy normal. Mm-hmm. Our normal became that because that's what we lived every day. But when we took a step back and looked at it, being raised in a abusive, physically abusive, yeah. violent home, um, not being able to speak your mind, being afraid every day of what is gonna, what you're coming home mm-hmm. to, that's not normal. Right. That was our normal because that is what my life mm-hmm. was like. Yeah. But I had to learn how to not do that with my kids and not do that with my spouse. Yeah, and that takes a conscious effort. You know, that definitely takes a a conscious effort. So how can you encourage other people who have had a dysfunctional relationship with their mom or their parent? So I think, you know, the the biggest thing is um, healing yourself um, and however that looks. If you need therapy, Mm -hmm. if you need to talk. It's funny, I met so many friends in the church that... Uh, were therapists. So I got like a lot of free therapy. I didn't actually pay for therapy, but I had people like sit me down and really let me vent and talk to me and tell me, and tell me, this is not normal, Phyllis, this, you know, you have to do it this way. Um, Obviously for me at 35 years old, I became a Christian. So I would say, um, and this was important for me because I didn't have what you would call a regular family. My mom was in and out of my life. Mm -hmm. My dad was in and out of my life. Um, siblings were all over, uh, in and out of my life. And so, um, when I became a Christian church became my family and those people guided me and encouraged me when I was feeling depressed, when I was not really sure which direction to go. Um, of course, I think, you know, being able to pray to a God that I now know loved me Mm -hmm. and wanted to help me. That was super healing for me to be able to just 
have that prayer time in the morning and say, I don't really know what I'm going to do today or how I'm supposed to feel, but can you guide me? And this is a thing I tell people is you have to listen to those promptings. I think too many times we're so busy, like no one's listening. No one's listening to a good friend's advice. I would say good mama mentors. Yeah. You need that if you're and a I'm, young girl. And I'm like a huge proponent for mentors. We're actually going to do a whole podcast on mentors. Yeah. And, and with me being in the business world, um, I've always had a mentor. And I think it's so important to find the right really one. Important. Yeah. Um, and I know that you've been a mentor to mm-hmm. a lot of young ladies and, um, you know, that's the best thing. Like if you can find a mentor and a good therapist (laughs) (laughs) or a mentor therapist, Therapist, yeah, a mentor therapist, is that a new word? Um, no, but I think, you know, when you're talking about like therapy and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, I have found, um, you know, a lot of, and I don't know if it's just in the Christian world or just people in general, but I have found in the Christian world in particular that, it's kind of like this shameful thing, like I'm going to therapy. Something's and it's like, wrong with you. Yeah. And the thing is, is we go through different seasons in our lives, and sometimes we need to think outside of it. Like we and and you know, yeah, people you need to show you a different way yeah. than what you normally. And there's think. so much shame in it, the, though. But yeah. there shouldn't be. You no. know, I feel like if you can catch that before you're, you know, 20 steps down, right. and it's so much worse. You know, if yeah. that's in your marriage or your relationship or whatever. Yeah. You can catch that early. You're going to be so much better for it. Right. So, I mean, I do think you need an it. outside person that doesn't have a, a anything in the game yes. to tell yes. you like this is what I see uh-huh. in you or this is. And I have a saying where I say you can't break generational dysfunction until you break the dysfunction in you. Yes, love that. So that is my catchphrase yeah. for everything because until I learned how to fix myself, it doesn't matter. Like I could know where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. but if I'm going to repeat the same thing over and over in my family which I was starting to do with my young, when my kids were little, I could feel my mom's energy coming through yeah. there. And I, I was like, oh no, this has to stop. I have to break it. And it, it, it starts with you. Yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like you, you have to self-evaluate yourself on a regular basis. And, mm-hmm. you know, with every change in life mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. like you have to evaluate, am I doing this? Yeah. Never right. stop learning. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I love the fact, and we've, we've talked about this before that, you know, Phyllis and I have a little bit of an age gap, um, but I look just up to- Just a little bit. Just no. a little bit, just a few <laughs> years. <laughs> um, but I look up to her because, you know, she she's motivated me to- you know, in my mid forties, my life isn't over, you know, God's got a lot more in store for me. And I love the fact that you wrote this book and you're in your sixties. Like know. that is, don't say 60s. I'm, sorry. I'm only 61. 61. Well, it's well. all right. I'm going to be 62 <laughs> in October. Dang it. I'm in my sixties. She doesn't look 60 no, people. You know, it's so funny because I listen to 25 or 30 year olds and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be 60. My life's going to be over. And I, I thought the same thing. And now I'm, yeah, I laugh. You're like busier than ever. God is crazy. laughing his head off yes. at me because he's like, oh, you thought you were going to, you really thought you were going to sit and eat bonbons right. and you're all and play with your grandson. She thought she was going to be like on a rocking chair, yeah. knitting Just her afghan. Hugging my grandkids. Yeah, no, and- instead she's like traveling every 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, I can't even, I was cracking up because we were trying to coordinate times to record. And I'm like, you're gone, I'm gone. Like, we, yeah. we're literally, we're our schedules are all over the place. Hey, it's a good thing. Keeps it us young. <laughs> so in closing, um, how do they find you on social media? How can they buy your book? Um, I will say really quickly that um, we will be having a 24 karat 
uh, Instagram that we are launching. Um, we have just gotten so much feedback that um, I think it's time to create it. But for your personal social media, where do they find you and how can they buy your book? Right. So it's all on my website. It's um, under Phyllis, P-H-Y-L-I-S, Mantelli, M-A-N-T-E-L-L-I.com. And that has information on how to order the book. The book is available on Amazon also. Yay. And um, yeah, all our podcast episodes, like uh, if there's uh, anything you want me to come and speak, I have information on that and would love to have people sign up for um, and subscribe to my website because I will be doing a newsletter and letting people know where I will be speaking and visiting. Um, I have some upcoming things even out of state right now. And so I would love to keep everyone informed if they want to come and hear me live in person. Yes, absolutely. And we just want you to know that we love you, 24 Karat Tribe. Like I am just every day I grow more and more in love with my tribe. I you get guys, we hit a thousand subscribers. We did. We hit a thousand subscribers. And that is such an accomplishment because yeah. we're just two little girls from Gilroy yeah. who we, like, we're really... We're like, maybe 50 uh, people yeah, maybe, will listen. Maybe three people will listen. <laughs> we'll be okay with that. But, I was thinking bigger. <laughs> more than three. I was, I was Our being, families listen. I was being business realistic. <laughs> Um, no, I, we're just so excited. I mean, I just feel so blessed yeah. um, to be able to be doing this podcast with Phyllis. I mean, and just watching things just um, start to manifest. It's just been crazy. But we are going to leave you with Job 2310, which is for when he, I should know this, right? <laughs> really? Did I just say that? It's like, can we for, edit yeah. that out? <laughs> no, because we're real. For he knows the way I will take. And when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. Awesome. You know, it's funny because I just got that tattooed on my arm the other day, like the verse, and then I can't He's even totally say it. Forgot it. Yeah, so yeah, awesome. uh, I got distracted. <laughs> I love you, friend. <laughs> well, we love you guys, and we hope to talk to you soon and have a 24 karat day. Bye. Bye.